Hey, everybody. Jacob here from the Formula Drift podcast. We have an awesome deal for you. So if you head over to shopfd.com and use coupon code podcast23, you're going to save 20% on any merch. So anything you can find on that website, use podcast23 at shopfd.com. Save yourself 20%. Hats, shirts, lanyards, whatever. Just use the code. Save yourself some money. So why not? You know, don't don't stop listening. Wait till the show's done. But then <laughs> head over shopfd.com. Use podcast twenty three. We'll see you guys out there. <laughs> sure, I'll take that. So, uh, Mister Mister Chris Forsberg, what, do you do you have it? I mean, you've been like the force. Are you that big of a Star Wars fan, or is that just it just worked? Um, I, I think it kind of worked, and it kind of like you know went from there. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I, I definitely played into it. Like it, it turned into my. My buddy, our old uh, director from Drift Alliance, he made a funny trailer for one of our DVDs back in like 2007. And right. he put myself, Vaughn, uh, Tony, and Turk into Star Wars characters. And he did me as Luke. He did, um, I think Turk was like R2. And, and I forget what Tony, <laughs> Tony was Han Solo. And then he did Vaughn as Chewbacca. So. Uh. <laughs> I'm and not gonna lie, that's that's a pretty good it casting. Was, it was just like this quick little trailer just to to play up our DVD release, and uh, and people just started cracking up over it. And this was like yeah, like back in like 2000, uh, like eight or so, eight or nine. So that's and then crazy. from there, Jared started calling me the Force, and right. there you go. And so then I, I got I, yeah, gold that, leader. Yeah, yeah. And then I made my Star Wars X-wing uh, race suits for 2012 and 13, just kind of playing into right. it. And so it's just been yeah, rest is history. Is it, it's, it's funny how like when Jared provides you with the nickname, how it, it's like, it's like almost a christening, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, okay, I guess like, like this, this is, is me now. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've fallen into like a similar trap with the hat where like the hat was an accident that like, I just needed a hat to put on. And now yeah. if I'm not wearing it, people have no idea who I am. So it oh, kind of yeah. works though. Spotted you out a mile away at uh, <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> Yeah, it works because like now I can just take the hat off. I can go incognito. I tried it. Go. I walked through the Atlanta pits. No one had any idea who I was. So See, you well. didn't even know that you were planning this ahead of time. You know, so you can just slide through an airport, no problem. Yeah, put the beanie I'm on. Not, you're back in. I'm not at that level of fame yet. Where like <laughs> the only level of fame I'm at at this point is like if you if I go to a drifting event and mm-hmm. I'm wearing the hat, about three people will notice me and recognize hey, me, and that's it. That's three more than none. So, Got to start That's a good point. Are you? Are you? <laughs> I guess I guess you're at the point now, like any drifting event you're going to, you're officially noticed. Like, is it, it's a little different now, right? Yeah. Drift events for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, even uh, yesterday I went to uh, dinner with my girlfriend, Liz, and we're just like walking through the spectrum and some guy stopped for a photo. So it's, it's it happens, uh, you know, here and there in public. So it's, it's pretty fun. Usually airports because airports, are, you know, we're always traveling. I typically have like right. my hat, like, you know, uh, either on or tied to my bag. And so uh, a little easier to get kind of spotted sometimes in track gear, you know, coming to it from the event. So, but um, yeah, it's, um, you know, there's a, there's a couple little perks, you know, that come along the way with it. So it's, it's fun. <laughs> Is it like the correct level of fame? Like I remember years ago, I was like, oh, I want to be Joe Rogan famous. And now like, no way, no, no that's too much. I, I wouldn't even want that. Yeah. Like I, no, no. I, I think it's, it's, it's fun. You know, like there's like, you know, every once in a while, like um, like a valet guy will, like recognize me and just be like, "Hey, man, like, oh, yeah, I got you. you want, like, park you for free, type thing." So it's like these like little little things will kind of pop up from random fans, and so it, it feels good, you know. And so like you know, throw him an extra tip. He's happy. I'm happy. It's like it's right. all good. So yeah, it's um, it's it's cool. You know, I've been doing it for long enough, and um, you know, there's there's obviously you know so much popularity and drifting now more than ever 
that, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you're bound to get kind of recognized here and there. Yeah. And I mean, you've, you've kind of got like the Iron Man. Have you missed any events since you started? Nope. Nope. Wow. One of, one of two, me and Gucci. Yeah. That's crazy. I thought Gucci had missed, maybe missed an event or two. I know he hasn't missed a year, but I don't, I, I feel like there might've been an overlap at some point. I, I don't know, to be honest. Um, hmm. I, I thought he's been attend uh, has attended every event. Um, okay, but even like uh, another you know notable uh, driver is Mohan. He's been there since 04. Uh Irwindo right. 04 was his first event. He missed out on some of the events uh, COVID year, but he's been yeah he's been ripping for a long time too. And obviously Vaughn, he was a day oneer, took a year off. He's back yeah. in you know half season. So yeah, there's there's um you know some other notable drivers that have been pushing for a long long time. Yeah. I mean, well, let's let's dive right into the whole Vaughn back thing because, like, I would consider that event Atlanta arguably one of the the most insane events I've it ever was, seen. It was mental. It was totally Dude. mental. Um, I, 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 it's like you can't even make this stuff up, right? And right. the uh, the the picture that um, my friend sent to me, who was actually there at the first event, he took those photos. Um, the one of me and Vaughn in the keyhole. Uh, which mm-hmm. was it was semifinals. We we met each other in semifinals, and um, I I beat Vaughn and went on to the finals against Sam Hubinet. Um, got second overall, and so yeah, for me it's like yeah, second the event, uh, first FD ever. Uh, Twenty years later, back in Atlanta, and then like yes, it was you know the finals, uh, you know semis, whatever you know minor minor, um, yeah exactly <laughs> minor details. But the way that that picture recreated itself completely organically. Because uh, Vaughn, um, you know, we finished a run and my transmission had failed. That was part of the reason why I was like having issues in the final battle. And uh, so I was stuck up on the line. Like they're like, oh, mm-hmm. we have a decision, you know, head it down. And I was stuck up there for like a minute trying to get it in gear. <laughs> I eventually just like punch a thing in gear because in my head, I'm like, I'm not riding down there in a the golf cart. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, finally get it smacked into first gear and I limp it down there with Odie and that was great. And, and Vaughn had already, you know, gone up, done his burnout and everything. He parked. And so I just pulled up and parked next to him. Didn't even think about it. Um, and the way that it just naturally recreated that photo was it, it just gave me goosebumps, right? It was just crazy. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was an emotional night to yeah. say the least. Yeah, it really like, was like, it's, it, it was, uh, you know, we were feeling it. We we're, you know, locked in. The, the car was on it, uh, especially after Long Beach. Long Beach was a, a rough round for us. We really thought that right. we had a good car. And, you know, one more time with Matt. Matt went on to win the event. And, um, you know, we're really just trying to, uh, to you know, climb back up. And now we're third in points, you know, after just one event. So it's, um, yeah. yeah, it's a really good feeling. We're back in the championship hunt where we want to be. You know, we're obviously pushing for a fourth. I, I think it's possible. We, we have the car to do it. We just got to keep our head on straight and, you know, get out there. So it was, uh, yeah, Atlanta was not, not only the event that, that I needed, but <laughs> it was like, even like, you know, Vaughn's story is insane. You know, he takes a year off and shows up, qualifies, does a perfect round. Yeah. And, you know, and then we just create this like picturesque, like 20th anniversary event. It was just, it was nuts. Yeah. You guys had Jared crying. I was yeah. out there in the group. Yeah, no, he's yeah, just Jared. like, he's like, I can't finish this. Well, like, Jared I cries at everything. So <laughs> he, is he, is he, <laughs> he's a big teddy bear. He is. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's soft on the inside. Yeah. He seems hard on the outside. I mean, I've learned yeah. now that he is, he is picking on me, which means I'm accepted. Yes. So I'm like, yeah. okay, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, that's how that, that goes. I was I was told that someone's like, listen, if he starts making fun of you a little bit, as long as it's not personal, like you're in, you're good. I'm like, okay, cool, great. Uh, I didn't realize. Yeah, you're all the way up in third. I mean, you're kind of the king of like winning championships by consistency over anything else. It's um, yeah, we we have uh, have had just really great track records over the years. Um, I have at this point, I think eight top three finishes in the championships. So mm-hmm. yeah, there was, there was a pretty good run. We had yeah, 13, 14, 15, 16. We we're top three every year, two championships in there. And, right. um, you know, uh, several before that. So yeah, like at, at the end of 2016, we were like top three, um, eight times out of like the 15 years and, um, top six, I, I didn't finish below six all but two years. Uh, which wow. were like new engine programs. Uh, we were like 12th overall. So yeah, we've always kind of been up in that um, chunk. So, you know, there's um, obviously some years are better than others. And, you know, this year I feel like we are, you know, kind of on that higher tier side. You know, last year was mm-hmm. a new car. Um, even though we got some great podiums and, and great finishes, it was still, um, you know, kind of tough for us to, you know, develop a new car so quickly. We built that car in five and a half weeks. I was going to say so fast. Yeah, it was just yeah. mental. And um, we were able to get that car together, um, take it out. We had a transmission failure round one uh, with top eight with Ryan Turk. And then we went on to the finals with Osbo of round two. So it's, uh, it's kind of lining up similar to last year. So I feel like we have a really good momentum. And yeah, it's, it's the consistency that, that always wins, right? Yeah, I, I think you were quoted, it was a while ago where you said, like, I like to drive at 95 because 100 is either the best run you're ever going to have or you're going to ruin your entire day. Yeah. And I, I think that's really the case. I mean, you, mm-hmm. w- there was one year you won a championship without winning a single event. Yeah, it was yeah just 2016. All consistency. Yeah, yeah. It was six, yeah, six podiums in a row, all twos and threes. That's so crazy. <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, it was, you know, you're just getting those, those points every round. So it, that's yeah. what adds up, you know, like having these like highlight moments and then just kind of, knocking yourself out because I feel like in in this sport as well especially like five or six years ago right it's a lot tougher now um (laughs) there's a lot of great drivers you have to like you know my my runs with Matt Field and top 32 Long Beach you know those are um you know arguably like you know semi-final final type battles right we're like pushing for a win in top 32 um I blame Matt for that should have qualified higher (laughs) (laughs) and so um but yeah, so obviously like qualifying just gets, you know, it builds the bracket, it creates the, you know, the structure of the event. And so, you know, for us to have to go against him so early kind of sucked. But um, in, in years past, it was mainly the, you know, if, if you were a championship contender, you were basically taking yourself out, right? It was mm-hmm. like, keep your head on straight, get through the track and, you know, push when you need to. And, you know, that's, that's how you win events. And so now, you know, I have noticed in the past few years, you do have to wick it up. Because there are just so many good drivers, you can't just sit back and think that you're gonna like cruise through 32 or cruise through 16 with um, you know the drivers that we're facing. So that's uh, one of the things that we've been or like I've had to mentally change is that we have to you know push a little harder and turn it up a little bit more. Uh, earlier on, we can't just assume that you're gonna win a battle. You can't assume you're gonna beat anybody out here now. It's uh, it's much much more difficult than it was years past. But um, you know to be able to come out and still put the thing on the box literally 20 years later is uh, a very special feeling. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's cool the, the the consistency of it, just sitting that high in the rankings. I mean, obviously, other than I think it was like the VQ program, you struggled a little bit with. And yeah, that one the killed initial us. VR. <laughs> that was <laughs> a bad just, idea that I had. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on brand though, like yeah, I mean, just always diving into the Nissan side of things. And yeah, giving I mean, all those the v- straight pipe kids some hope. <laughs> yeah, the VK program was easily our best one. It was. Right. Um, it started off as the the original VK setup that I did with Kevin Wells back in 2006. That was the first time a V8 swap was ever done in a car that didn't come with one in FD. So right. that was is, at the Nissan Titan? Yep. Yeah, so right. it was a Nissan Titan V8. And this was before like LS's like, you know, took over FD and drifting in general. And so, yeah, we swapped in the VK. Uh, we, we did a little playing with the 4.5 liter. We, we uh, went after the 5.6. And we ran that in 06. That was one of my bad years. Uh, we finished 12th. And then in 2007, we almost won the championship um, mm-hmm. on 330 horsepower. And so it was just the consistency, once again, um, was there for us. And so uh, 2008, we kind of wicked it up a little bit. And then 09, we won a championship. Um, and then it was 2010 when we first adopted the, it was called the uh, the core um, you know, championship off-road racing series. Uh, engine, which was the old Nissan Motorsports uh, VK56. So when they shut down their off-road racing program, we were the only other people in the world racing with a VK56. So they're like, here's this motor. It makes 800 horsepower. <laughs> and so like... Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, you want to try it? And we're like, sure. And so we um, were able to adapt that to the car. Um, 2011, we were our first year in the 370Z. Uh, stock angle, stock brakes, like a lot of stock components on that thing, but wow. a big motor. Uh, we pushed it to third overall. And then, yeah, we, you know, kept kind of improving that program. And so, you know, one had our most successful years with that V8. Mm-hmm. Um, after the championship in 2016, we swapped to the VQ because I was basically running out of parts because we were running on old race motors, right? Mm -hmm. So we got a a couple of these motors from Nissan. I purchased some other parts from their old engine supplier. And we were just unable to keep up with the rebuilds of these motors every off season without like a major um, like influx of, you know, basically rebuilding the the thing. So having to get new custom cam gears made, new custom, you know, cams, (coughs) timing chains, tensioners, all those things. And so... We're basically out of components. I might have been able to do one more season, but I was also changing teams at the time. And so I was also moving back to the West Coast. There was a lot of change. So I'm like, you know what? Like mm-hmm. maybe, you know, now is the right time to swap to a twin turbo uh, V6 setup, you know, which is what the Z comes with. It's what Nissan's kind of known for now. And so we gave that VQ way too <laughs> long of a run yeah. in FD. They, we were cracking blocks, blowing head gaskets, like everything you can think of. It, it was just, it is not um, reliable at 900 plus wheel horsepower in drifting, right? Right. Like, yes, it can do it on the street. It can do it on dynos, things like that. But what I tell everybody when it comes to drifting is that like add 50%. You know, anytime yeah. someone's like, oh, this is good for a thousand horsepower. I'd be like, well, it's not going to be good enough for us because, you know, it's, it's the high RPM, it's the high stress, it's the zero to 120 mile an hour wheel shocks, which mm-hmm. does go all the way from that the rear tire. Up. Yeah. From the rear tire yeah. all the way to the crank pulley. And it just it it just wraps up everything very, very um, you know, harshly. So we were like basically twisting that block apart constantly. Hmm. So we are now 
we swapped over to the VR and we've had a lot more success with it. And that, I mean that the VR is such a proven engine. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's, there's so many companies out there producing, you, you pick your horsepower, right? Like you want 500. Cool. That's what you're getting. Mm-hmm. You want 3000. Cool. You just call this guy. Like, yeah. Well, here's the funny thing with that. <laughs> so like once again, <laughs> it's like, oh, this motor is going to be good for, you know, 1500 horsepower. And in my head, right. I'm like, uh, it's not really quite enough. Right. And um, Irwindale and Long Beach, we cracked a VR block, right? Where does it crack? Where, uh, like- in, in the valley on the okay. rear uh, head stud bosses. So basically, oh, okay. yeah, we're you know, causing stress and tension in the block. And we crack right underneath where the head stud goes on f- cylinder five in Irwindale and cylinder six on Long Beach. And then water okay. gets into the oil, mixes up, and you're done. And so hmm. that doesn't happen until... 1800, 2000 horsepower. And we're doing okay. it on our FD car. So that's where the whole 50% rule comes back into play. That's fair. Yeah. I guess that yeah. makes sense. If you're, if you're looking at pushing around 1200 and then mm-hmm. 50% on top of that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's 1800. So yeah. So like same huh. thing with like axles, you know, like, cause uh, I was um, drive shop shop's first customer, right? We went to them and we're like, Hey, we're breaking axles. You know, can you help us out? <laughs> and so we sent them components, and now they're like the, the largest distributor of drifting axles in the world. Um, and it was the same thing, like, oh, here, try this. Like, oh, we broke the inner. Oh, try this. Oh, we broke the shaft. Oh, try this. Oh, we broke the outer. And now we have these pro-level axles. And once again, as we're getting to that point, they're like, oh, these are good for, you know, 1,000 horsepower. And we're making like 600 and still breaking them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, uh, it's the, the way that people rate, uh, you know, the power levels of drivetrain and engines is basically more suited for street cars, drag cars, dyno queens, things like that. Uh, right. Not just ripping it to the rev limiter, sitting on it, clutching in, e-braking, and dumping it all back on again. So that shock load just really just tears things apart. And that's why we always say drifting is one of the harshest forms of racing there is because of just the amount of abuse that these cars have to take. And so we've, uh, you know, over the years, been able to develop these components to make these cars much, much more reliable. And that's why you don't see Formula Drift cars uh, snapping axles, breaking diffs, and things like that uh, mm-hmm. on the track mm-hmm. as much as you used to. Yeah, I mean, it still it still happens, it does. but it's it's like it's usually just overwear or something like that, or yeah. some weird manufacturing defect or mm-hmm. whatever. It's not it's not happening. Yeah, like you said, like it used to ten years ago, it was like that was a thing. A blown <laughs> yeah. blown CV was like if you if you made it around the track with your CVs intact, it was like okay, cool, like, yeah, great. Move on. <laughs> swap swap new ones in immediately. <laughs> yeah, basically so. It's uh yeah so we we've been you know not only for our own benefit trying to you know build more reliable cars but really helping these companies to develop better parts. Yeah. What what do you think's been the the biggest like technological development that maybe drifting has either helped with or that has helped drifting in general? Um I would say ah, that's that's like that's a tough one. I would say it's it's probably going to be like drivetrain um specifically yeah. because Engines are always engines. People are always trying to make more horsepower. But um, the desire for these uh, quick change rear ends, these you know drive shafts and axles that all these drift cars run, they we basically all run the same thing at this point. And mm-hmm. the development of that was like over the course of like three to five years, from like 2012 through like 17 ish, was like when yeah. all the cars started to make more power. Everybody started breaking everything, and now it's like you have these just behemoth <laughs> rear differentials in the back of these cars so that can take big. anything, you know? And yeah. so it's, uh, it's definitely made just huge improvements to the reliability of the cars. 
Are you, are you running a winners in yours? Like what's the, yeah, I guess, what's the current setup of the, of the, like, I really haven't taken that good of a look at the Z. So <laughs> yeah. So I should. we run, um, we run the winter's performance rear end. Um, I, I get mine through MA Motorsports. Uh, when I was working with MA back in, uh, 20, uh, 11 through 16, uh, right. winter's was like 40 minutes away. So we would drive up there and pick up our diffs. Uh, right. And so, and same thing. We we're like, get our quick change, put it in the car, we snap a stub axle. We're like, hey, we broke this. How do we fix this? And so they're like, mm-hmm. oh, we can make a better one. So they make us a better one, then we break something else, break something else. And so there's been like four or five upgrades to these winter's quick changes over the past uh, decade. And so now it's, it's um, you know, it has a, you know, a sleeve in the spool. It's got, you know, 35 instead of like 31 splines. It's got 130 millimeter CV instead of 108. And so just like all these like little upgrades over the years, it's got a stronger input shaft. Um, but yeah, we run the, you know, top, top, top tier rear end in this car that, uh, is available from, uh, winter's performance. I mean, it makes sense. It's, yeah. it's held together. I mean, other than the, the weird quirks there here and there is, yeah. is the, is the 400 that much different than the, the like a 370? It's very similar in the overall, um, chassis of it. It does have 70% new part numbers. There are like just a lot okay. of small changes to the car. The fundamentals between the two chassis are pretty similar, so it was easy for us to develop it. Um, there's a couple small changes like in the subframes. There's a couple small changes um, to basically like how like the geometry is on the, su- the suspension. Um, but, you know, since we are you know basically modifying all of that within the rules, it's basically right where we left off of the 370. So the learning curve okay. was very small. That's good. I, I wasn't sure how much adaptation, like if, if it was mm-hmm. one of those, it got dropped off at the shop and you're like, cool, back to the drawing board. You're like, oh, this will yeah. fit or that'll fit. Like, is it, was there, did you get any development time or analysis time or anything before that car showed up at the shop? Uh, we were able to get some CAD data from Nissan, which we were able okay. to, you know, analyze and, and get a head start on some of the products that we had to, you know, basically create for it. And it helped right. us to verify that you know there's going to be some components that we could reuse, and or that suspension points were close enough that you know we can basically just implement, like I said, right where we left off for less uh, you know R and D time. And right. so yeah, the car kind of just like it, it was just a, a cleaner, more refined version that our Z ever was, and we we're able to kind of like map out where we wanted things to be a little bit better because I've had like you know what like six iterations in that 370Z. That thing ran for 10 seasons in Formula yeah. Drift, one of the longest mm-hmm. chassis of all time. So it, uh, it's it been, you know, cut up a couple times. <laughs> and so to start with a nice, fresh, clean chassis and know where we wanted, like the fuel cell to be and where, you know, the radiator and things like that. And so just kind of mapping right. it out mm-hmm. ahead of time did help a lot. I remember seeing you playing with things like pendulum weight and moving things like beyond the rear axle to see if mm-hmm. that would help with angle. I mean, out of... It, it, there, there's so much development in FD in general, but specifically, you were very public about it for for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're still very public with with them, at least what you want people to know. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's some hidden stuff, but I've I've always thought it was interesting how you would take that risk where everybody else was trying to get mass to the center. You're like, okay, well, let's see how far out mm-hmm. we can get a fuel tank, and then see what the car does at that point. Yeah. So it it was a theory that we kind of had it. it Definitely adds a lot of rear percentage, and mm-hmm. there's pros and cons to everything, right? So on certain tracks, it was a huge benefit because the car would have crazy drive, right? Yeah. So when you're on the throttle, that thing is just hunkered down and moving forward. The problem is you can't slow it down. So uh, like once it's like set to angle, it just wants to keep sailing. 
So okay. it's uh, just like anything, you know, like where, where you put the weight has pros and cons on different courses. So like a track like Orlando, like you can really benefit from having the weight more to the rear because you're on the right. throttle the entire time. There's one very, very small braking zone. But a track like Atlanta, uh, the entry, you know, you're basically sailing all the way in. When you come out of the keyhole, you're basically waiting for the car to gain grip so you can get back in the throttle, uh, things like that. So it's um, every, you know, course has a benefit to, you know, where the weight placement is. I guess with that in mind or learning from that, what's your general build philosophy now? Like, is there anything with this Z where you're like, okay, here's the general idea. We're going to keep everything center. We're going to keep it like, I think center and low is kind of the general one at this point. Yeah. It's, um, our car is now built with everything kind of push between the axles as much as possible. So the mm-hmm. radiator sits like right at the rear axle. It's the furthest back uh, major component outside of the crash bars. Um, and even the batteries in front of that, you know, we, we've had everything hunkered behind the rear wheels before trying to get, you know, like I said, that that drive, that weight, that grip. And so it's, um, it, the suspension geometry also really plays into that because some cars can accept more of that rear weight and have a better catch but just because they inherently have better side grip than others. But um, okay. that was always the, the big um, issue that we've had with the Z. It's a shorter wheelbase, right? It's a you know, five-link, multi-link you know, rear end. So there's a, a lot of arms back there. And, <laughs> there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, so it, it doesn't have the best uh, you know, side grip as compared <laughs> to some other cars. And so we've done everything we can to try and you know, find that in that chassis. I mean, as you see, there's not... There's not too many Zs running in the series, if any. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it's, there's a couple in Pro Spec, um, but there's there's not too many left in Pro One, and so mm. it's um, it, it takes a little bit of a challenge to make that car work. But we've obviously, you know, been able to find success with it. Yeah, no, no thoughts of going back to a 1988 RX7 <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, no, not really. Um, I mean, I. I haven't ever drifted like a pro level, um, you know, version of a RX-7, but I'd imagine that it'd probably be pretty good because it, once again, it's a trailing arm type car. That's why you see right. so <clears throat> many E46s in Formula Drift because it has, you know, that trailing arm. It's very easy to set up. It's got a lot of forward drive. It's got a lot of side grip. They're just like, mm-hmm. it's it's just a plug and play setup, right? Makes it's, sense. Yeah, yeah. It's really easy to make work. So we have to put in a little extra effort to, to make our car keep up. Are you... Are you- I think there was a thought of bringing back that original car at one point in time. You're going to buy it off of, is it Lindy that's got it now? Oh, I have it. Yeah. It's, Do you? Um, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I bought, I bought that car back from Lindsay back in 2008. And it's, uh, it's funny because he owned it at the time. It, it changed hands like three or four times after I sold it. And, okay. um, that car actually competed in the first form of drift ever as well, which is funny. Tony Angelo drove right. it. Yeah. And so <laughs> he had it for the first season. Uh, he drove it in, I think, Two of the rounds. Yeah, he drove it in the first two events, not the third. Borrowed a car for the fourth. Anyway, uh, then it changed hands <laughs> a couple times uh, again. Or no, I'm sorry. It changed it, it, it changed hands a couple times. Then Tony owned it. Then he traded it with Lindsay. And then in like 08, I told Lindsay, if you're ever going to sell that car, you have to sell it to me. Right. Months later, he's like, I got a job in Japan. I got to sell this car. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is way too soon, but okay. <laughs> so, I didn't mean now. <laughs> yeah. So he was cool. He worked with me. We like basically parted it out because I didn't have the money to, you know, pay him what he wanted for the whole chassis. So we like, you know, parted out. Like I took the car, I pulled the motor out, we sold the motor and this, that, and the other, a few things. And uh, so I started putting the thing back together a little bit here and there. 
Uh, long story short, fast forward to 2016, I was back in Maryland. I was moving back to California. I had been working right. on the car uh, at MA Motorsports, and I just picked up my Datsun um, recently before that. So I put all my energy into the Datsun, not finishing that Mazda. And so uh, my brother wanted a project car, and I had that thing basically in a million pieces, pretty much everything you need to finish it. And mm. I was like, okay, well, like, here's the deal. Like, you know, you, you can have the car, you can have all the parts and everything. I'm like, but basically, like, you're not ever allowed to sell it, right? Type thing. Okay. So it was like, <laughs> just like a handshake deal. Like, this is your car. But, you know, in the end, like, if you ever have to get rid of it, uh, you got to give it back. And so basically gave him like the full chassis, all the parts, you know, all the bits and, uh, you know, to get that thing all back together. He, put all the effort in, put the car back together and he's been taken to like cars and coffee events and like other things and he just, oh. he loves it. Yeah, so it's back on the street and it's actually getting okay. a, another rebuild right now because when I first wanted to put it back together, it made it NA, uh, two rotor, Bridgeport, things like that. Now he's putting a turbo onto it and so it's going to be a, uh, like a V-mount turbo setup. It's uh, it's almost done. It's actually going to be hitting the tune in like two weeks. So That's crazy. Yeah, so that thing does <laughs> still exist. <laughs> My first car. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be ruffling some feathers at the vineyard. That's for sure. I'm sure. I'm sure there's gonna be questions at Buckingham. Like, okay, yeah. like this is not not the car for this location, sir. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's cool. He's he's stoked about it. So he's got um you know like something fun to tinker with, and uh, you know That's I awesome. help him out with stuff that I got laying around from other project cars. You know, so keeps his costs yeah. down, and you know he's he's happy. I'm happy. You've you've definitely had a large selection of project cars, especially with like the shows and stuff like that. If, oh, yeah. if you ha if you were to bring back any show, what would it be? So good enough drift garage or drift this? Um, man, see, that's a, that's a tough one because they're all like bring back a show. That's like a whole different, that's a whole okay. other question. Cause like, like good enough basically has like, just like readapted to like, that was like a, an everyday episode episodic type show that we're doing of like things like, you know, we're doing around the shop, uh, you know, projects going on. It was just like that, like just all encompassing show. Drift This yeah. was really fun and rad because it was like, how dumb can we get with drift cars? Right. Right. And so yeah. that was obviously really fun and special. The, uh, the Humvee that we built in episode four was my absolute favorite <laughs> drift build. Uh, we've ever done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause it was just a thousand foot pound Humvee that just roasted tires everywhere. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but yeah, the, um, drift garage, I think was my, my favorite one just because of yeah. like, it kind of like started everything. It had a lot of, um, you know, had a lot of heart into it because this was like, you know, kind of not to say before YouTube, it obviously was on YouTube, but it was like the, yeah. the beginnings of it. Right. This was back in like 2012, 2013. And so there was, um, a, a lot of energy into, coming up with a cool show idea and getting it pitched off and having it be, um, you know, something that was pretty successful. Pick. And so, yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, shout out to Sam Nelvin on that one. For yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so we've taken a, a similar approach um, to our new show that we're doing with eBay Motors uh, that we're actually shooting like right now. It's called oh, Race Car Revival. And it's a show idea I've had since 2020. Uh, basically, once everything was shut down, we're trying to figure out what to do. It was like, okay, well, let's come up with, you know, media ideas and, you know, see who wants to come on board. And so the idea of the show was, you know, finding old, you know, forgotten project cars, uh, unfinished projects, old track cars, uh, anything like that, where it's like, you know, either 
somebody ran out of money, they ran out of time, uh, ran out of talent, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And so basically trying to get those <clears throat> stories of people that are unable to get their car finished and you know, we take it into the shop, we finish the car for them, and then we give it back, right? Okay. So it's like a glorified race car, pit my ride, right? <laughs> and right. So this isn't like, you know, we're building our own cars and we're just, you know, benefiting on our own projects. It's like, you know, like let's, let's do something for the community. Let's do something for these real people that have these cars that they just are unable to finish themselves. And so uh, eBay Motors uh, love the idea and they came on, they support us with it. We shot one episode. We're in the middle of shooting episode two. And these um, these videos are going to come out in I want to say like August, July or August. Oh, that's so they're going to start fairly dropping. quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um yeah it's really cool. It's it's something that I'm like you know pretty passionate about. It's kind of like the type of um, I guess it's it's what I've always liked to do, but it's just on a bigger scale, right? Just helping people mm-hmm. out, and you know it's whether it's just like a couple quick tips at the track or, you know, handing over some leftover parts, you know, like giving someone axles that I have in my trailer that they need to, you know, finish their drift day. So, you know, they can go out and have fun with their friends. You know, it's like just a a higher tier version of that. And, you know, basically just trying to give back, you know, to our friends and fans that support us. Right. So it's, it's cool. I've, I've got so many projects. Like, I mean, if you're, if you're lacking any, just (laughs) let me know. (laughs) We have a whole submission page, so send it in. Okay, it might be a little biased, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good to know. I mean, it's, it's, I think that's, I mean, obviously it's fantastic to, to give back. I mean, I think you were one of the people in FD as well that, that really started making like mentoring kind of like a, a standpoint of your career. Um, obviously, you know, stuff with like Dylan, uh, obviously now running pro, like running a prospect team on top of mm-hmm. that. Has that, does that come from, like a moral virtue is that like a longevity thing where you're like, Hey, I need to do this because eventually I'm not going to be racing anymore. I need to make sure that there's people I can still be with that can keep me in the industry. Like it's, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of everything, right? Because I, I know how hard it is, right? It's, uh, Mm -hmm. it's not easy to build your own car and go to the track and be successful. Right. And there, there wasn't really anybody, um, that was, helping me at those times, as in like there, there were very, very few drivers that were, you know, higher tier than us outside of the Japanese drivers, you know, it was like myself right. and Tony Angelo and guys like that. We're just, we're bouncing ideas off each other. You know, we're kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> we're just in it together. We didn't know what we were doing. You know, we didn't know what alignments to do on our cars or anything. We're just like taking a stab in the dark every weekend. And, um, so it was a lot of self, um, you know, Self-taught driving, self-taught mechanicking, uh, if that's even a word, but you know what I mean. I'll take it. <laughs> just yeah, just like, <laughs> like just um, trying to get to the bottom of what makes drift cars work. You know, we're literally trying to translate uh, like drift tengokus and option magazines, things like that, of trying to figure out setups, tire sizes, things like that. And so for me, it's I I, I honestly don't really know where it comes from. I just know that there were you know, a few people in my life that I really did want to help out, um, basically because I saw their passion. Like I kind of saw like a little bit of me in them of like, you know, I have the talent. I just don't know what I'm doing. Right. Right. And it's like, okay, well, like, like if I can like, you know, help you (laughs) like with, you know, just uh, a quick conversation, you know, like why wouldn't I do that? Right. You know, and I know how some people really hold their cards tight. They don't want to share their information, share their secrets. And then not that we're sitting here, you know, 
putting everything online every single day, you know, to the whole <laughs> public. But like, you know, there's there's just certain people that you just feel a draw to want to help them out, right? Because you you see their their effort and their drive into trying to achieve their dreams. And I saw myself in a similar position and maybe a little more lost at the time. And so it's uh you know, it's it, it feels good, right? Yeah. It feels good to be able to help people. Well, and I think um, for anybody who, I guess, looks at, at your career over the last five years, it's it's very easy to sit there and be like, oh, like, okay, it's easy. You know, Forsberg gets the win and all that stuff. But like, people don't realize the stories behind that. I mean, I think a good example, and I'm not trying to like rub salt in the wound, is like you losing NOS for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that is not easy. I'm, you know, we obviously had conversations with Matt Field and the shock that he went through and, you know, yet to speak to Odie officially on the podcast, but like, mm. That that's such a divisive moment in anybody's career because it's easy just to go, there's my funding, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. What else do I do now? And I mean, you ran, what was it 2015 without even a title? Like just a big yeah. 2014? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big blank spot of like, you know, this this is just me now. Like that's yeah. all that I've got. Yeah. 14 was a, a serious year for us because we, you know, we almost won the championship the year before. Um, months before former Drift Stars, we get the word that NOS is changing their direction. They're going to, um, you know, not be able to support us in the capacity that they have. Mm-hmm. We were able to uh, solidify some uh, support from them to maintain their relationship. We basically told them, you know, like, well, just, you know, because of the longevity of our partnership, you know, let's just put something together so that we kind of just keep that stake in and we'll see where it goes. And so uh, there was, a, you know, a uh, small NOS head on the car. They're still our official, you know, energy drink partner. And we went out there and, and 2014 was just, it, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, we showed up, we qualified. Um, I, well, I forget where we qualified round one, but we won the first event and we carried the points lead the entire season, which yeah. um, has only happened like one or two other times. And so that was, uh, and we also won the qualifier of the year, which was the first and only time I ever got that award. So hmm. we basically just like went in like all guns blazing um, based on, you know, what happened the year before, based on, you know, uh, having a, a little bit of a, a lack of overall support. We basically just had to like kind of hunker down a little bit. We brought on a second car that's only brought in Castro. Um, and that was mainly to help with, um, you know, getting the support to MA Motorsports that they needed to help mm-hmm. with, you know, the whole total program. So, you know, it was, they were putting in extra effort on their end, you know, to run two cars that year so that we could basically all try and go out there and win. So basically everybody just pulled in together and it was the, easily the best year in FD as far as just, just coming out swinging and taking it all the way. So um, it sometimes it takes a, a little bit of fire to, Get people moving. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those when you feel like you've got nothing left to lose, you're you're mm-hmm. kind of the most dangerous person on the track, right? Because you're like, what? Like, I just have to drive now. That's it. The only way I'm going to yeah. continue the career is with performance at that point. I mean, I'm sure there's still, you know, budgetary things going on, but regardless, like, oh yeah, you're, still, we, we, you're just yeah. like, okay, well, let's make it happen. Like, let's yeah, just we had go. to get creative. Yeah, we had yeah. to get creative for sure. And um, yeah, like you know, sharing the spares, things like that. You know, it's like it's. There, there's pros and cons to running two cars, right? Um, you know, the pros are you can share spares between two cars because the likelihood of you needing an engine or a spare transmission, spare differential, things like that, are are pretty low, uh, especially needing two in the same weekend, right? So you're able to kind of like disperse uh, some of the spares package between mm-hmm. two cars, 
Um, you can also kind of run like a uh, like a seven eighths crew, if that makes sense, because yeah. you know you kind of have like one you know engine guy, one tuner guy, kind of on both cars because same thing, like they're not as needed the whole time, like but one you do spotter need or something one. like that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, things like that. So you're really able to share your resources. So the overall program uh, can benefit, you know, from uh, a small investment. So, but mm. um, in the end, it we we stopped doing the two car program when I moved back to California, just because I knew it was going to be too much for a new team uh, where it's, we were actually teaming up with Ryan at the time. So <laughs> Turk and I were splitting my rig. And uh, so, yes, the cars didn't match, but it was basically like that was, you know, everyone's trying to save a buck, right? We're all trying to make it happen. You can see yeah. like, you know, throughout the pits, there's multiple teams carrying multiple cars. Yeah. And, and it's, I wouldn't say it's like a rite of passage, but I, I think without that struggle, it's it's different. And I, and every every guy goes through that struggle. And I mean, there's we don't have to go through like news. There are guys that are that come into the programs very well funded, and and mm-hmm. that's not a concern. But then there's other struggles that come with having a very well funded team that people don't talk about. And maybe at some point I'll get somebody on who's <laughs> comes in from that situation because I I really want to get their perspective as well. But you mm-hmm. need something to to push you if everything just works all the time you don't learn anything that's very true um you know yeah you, you need it, it takes a little bit of struggle to succeed right you can't mm-hmm. just cruise in and everything be you know painted gold and red carpets it's uh yeah. you know you, you gotta you gotta struggle if you want to win yeah and i mean i know like i said you've you've had yours throughout the career i think there's like a story of you sleeping in your car in the early days of like driving because he drove the car to the event, slept in it, competed, and then like drove it back home. Didn't know how to get back, kind of thing. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I've uh, I, I've never drove my comp car to the uh, okay, okay to the event, so well, we can squash that one. But <laughs> I've certainly like I I mean, I was driving my own rig for about eleven years of the you know series. Um, definitely, you know, crashed out in rigs before. I you know lived in a garage for a year, lived in a shop for a summer. So things like that, you know, in the early years when it's like you're putting all your eggs in the, you know, the racing basket, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, where where can I save money? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I'm in the sh- <laughs> right. I'm in the shop all day anyway. Like, what do I need an apartment for? So. Yeah. What what do you I guess like what information when you're communicating with with drivers that are coming up, like what are you sharing with them as like, hey, this is something no one's going to tell you, but I'm going to let you know cuz it's going to save you either a shitload of time or a lot of money mm-hmm. or Something like that. I mean, that's um, yeah. I mean, that's it's pretty open ended because there's there's so many means of um, of saving money when it comes to racing because yeah. there's so many mistakes being made in <laughs> in racing, especially when you're first coming in. You know, just buying the wrong components, setting your car up incorrectly. Um, you know, just uh, you know, just like time timing is everything, right? And um, also with that. It is, um, you know, time spent. Like, you know, people don't realize that their time is worth something, right? Mm. And so, the the biggest thing that I try to tell people, and I'm not the perfect example of that, but it's like, you know, have your car ready before you get to the events, right? Because right. you know, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, they're working on it, you know, up until the event. They dive too far into a project. They think they can get a motor swapped in time, or you know, X Y Z. And they're pulling all nighters leading up to the event, and yeah, just because you're present, it doesn't mean that you're you know there. Uh, so you know that's like the big thing that I think people don't take into accountability when it comes to racing is the mental 
uh, strain that it has or the mental ability that you need to have to perform, right? And so that doesn't just mean, you know, cruising in and everything's like we talked about, you know, like painting the gold and red carpets, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you just glide in and sit in your race seat and go racing and everything's perfect. It's, um, but it's certainly not, um, you know, beating the hell out of yourself to get there and driving all night um, because you, you know, wanted that extra day in the shop, right? It's like, you got to plan ahead, get there on time, uh, you know, unload your stuff and be ready for the next day. You know, the amount of people I've seen just like roll in, kick the car out of the trailer and try and qualify. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it usually doesn't work. Like sometimes, you know, you get that, like, you know, like you said, like you got that fire, you got the energy and, you know, like you got nothing to lose and like, you know, it, it might stick, but, um, you know, the, the preparation game is, is very, very important. Yeah. Don't, don't test it FD. Like this yeah, isn't the place to be exactly. testing something. <laughs> like, yeah. Even though we did that last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. you're, you're like next door and like, <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't even make it to the dyno. My one of 12 right. laps for was Long dyno. Beach was a dyno pull. So yeah, we basically I like, ripped the front straight and pulled back into the pit and hooked it up to the uh, laptop. So, cause oh, that's we didn't even have time for it. So I've, but, I vaguely you know, special, remember that. Yeah, special circumstances. You know, like I said, we got that car uh, six weeks to the day of qualifying. So I remember you saying, like, I can't break a taillight because they just don't exist yet to replace it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like we don't have any more. You can't you can't tap the wall. Gotta keep it. I know, it's funny. Um, so I would I would consider you like in the hierarchy of like successful drivers, just even outside of of the winning record, but like as a career motorsportsman. I, if we're making up words, let's go yeah, with it. Yeah, Motor, go. You got person, one now. Whatever, right? <laughs> um, and and I think what that comes down to is is very successful and and very precise partner management. Um, mm. And I I really try and stay away from the word sponsor because like yes. sponsors don't like the word sponsor. They like yeah. partner or even some case investor or mm-hmm. whatever. What do you what do you owe that to? Um. It's hard to say because I I know the importance of, you know, treating not just, you know, your partner as well, but just people well, right? Mm. And and that's it's the same thing, right? You can't expect someone to support you if you don't support them. And as long as you are, you know, performing on your end and not just on the track, it's not just about, you know, getting the podium, but, you know, yeah. and it's not just fulfilling the deliverables, right? It's it's, you know, going that extra mile, filling in that gray area. And being a good um, advocate for the people that support you, and then they will continue to want to support you. It's really not that difficult, you know. <laughs> I tell people this all the time. You know, it's like you got to you got to treat your partners um, that you know the way that you would um, want to be treated as well, because mm-hmm. you know they are supplying you with uh, either parts or knowledge or uh, labor or you know best case scenario you know monetary support, mm-hmm. and so you know with that. Like you can't expect, you know, to get paid X amount of dollars for a job, show up and just sit there and then go home and not get fired. Right. Right. So you have to go above and beyond. Like, do you want a promotion? You're going to have to work harder than the next guy. You know, you're going to have to put in that extra effort. And then that is what not only uh, gives you the promotion, you know, the extra support that everybody wants as they're growing their, you know, racing career, but it also gives you that longevity and that, uh, security of having the support the next year and not just, you know, worrying. Obviously, there's very 
special scenarios like with Matt and uh, Odie, as you were saying earlier, you know, it was of no, um, you know, no consequence of theirs. Like that's no consequence of their actions. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the, the fluke thing that happens sometimes. Right. Um, You know, same thing with, uh, with me, with Nas. It was, you know, we had an excellent year, multiple podiums, second overall in the championship. um, But it was just an internal change of direction of the company. And Mm -hmm. then it was, you know, just kind of noticed that, you know, Nas really does have a good stake in not only motorsports, but in drifting in general. And so, you know, the support came back because once again, it wasn't a, you know, oh, like, well, forget you guys. I'm going to go take the next deal. It's like, well, let's just put something small together, keep the relationship because, you know, uh, we've supported each other for this long. And that, you know, I think is a real testament as to why I've been now working with them since 06, you know, every year since 06. And um, really? So like through like flat track motorcycle days and stuff like that, like it's been, Uh, well, yeah, I mean, well, um, 2006, they came on when I was in the 350Z for the first time. That was okay. my first year. Oh, I thought you meant like, I thought you meant like six years old. Oh, no, no, no. I said, oh, six. Oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah. I heard that. I was like, hang no, on, hang no, on. No. You've had like a motorsport sponsorship no, 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 since you're no. six. Like, damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, since oh, six. Um, oh, no, the, the joke goes that I'm the longest employee of NOS. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, cause it's like actually true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I always like the collab stuff that NOS does as well, where it's like all the drivers from all the different disciplines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So is it like a new guy comes in and you're kind of like the OG, you're like, oh, okay, welcome <laughs> to the club. Like, this is what yeah. we do. Label out. Like, you know, you're like, here are the yeah. things you need to, you get to that's pick your fun. own flavor that you promote and I get to stick <laughs> with the OG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Are you an FD fan who attends live events? Well, right now for the podcast listeners only, we're offering $5 off each ticket purchased on Formula Drift website by using FD podcast when you check out. That is FD podcast. I don't know if you need to capital the FD, but try it either way. So head over to formuladrift.com, pick up the tickets, then enter code FD podcast, get $5 off all eight events this year. It's our 20th season. Head over. If you're going, save five bucks. Might as well. And, um, but no, they're, they're great. You know, they've been like, once again, just such a supporter, um, for me. And so like, of, of course I always want to, you know, represent them well. And these are the things that create long lasting relationships, you know, in any relationship, whether it's professional or personal, you know, uh, you treat people well, they treat you well. It's a golden rule. Yeah. No, that's fair. I think that's, I think that's something that's forgotten a lot by young motorsports athletes is, is that this is a two way deal. Yeah. And oftentimes you need mm -hmm. to provide more than what you're receiving, at least in the beginning. Yeah. It's uh, a sticker on the card does not cut it. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, it's like they, they are blessing this company with the ability to have a logo on their car and and things like that. And it's, uh, it's that, it's that type of mentality. that's not going to keep the relationship. So, Yeah. Has there, has there ever been like a weird deliverable that you've had to like come through on? Like if you start in like any crazy Japanese commercials or anything like that? <laughs> oh, no, nothing, uh, nothing too out of the ordinary. Um, can't really think of anything. Cardboard cutouts and posters. Uh, and <laughs> Yeah, it's the standard stuff. I'm trying to think of anything off the wall, but. No. Did you ever do the cardboard cutout? Like, is there oh, yeah. is there Chris Forsberg? Oh yeah, it's it's at the shop. It was. Uh, oh really? Oh yeah, it was. Um, they they were doing them at um, I think AMPMs and Seven uh, Elevens and things like that. So, Nelson's okay. doing a big promotion. 
So those were there. Like I think at a couple K1 speeds, there were some cutouts. So yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like you walk into an auto zone to see an image. It's kind of cool. So yeah, um, yeah, like that type of stuff is fun. But um, yeah, the uh, I was doing a couple events over in China for a while um, right. from like 2018 through 2019, and yeah, that that was like a whole whole wild experience. <laughs> you know, it's like showing up and. Um, I don't even know if half the people there knew who I was. They just saw a six foot tall, uh, ginger bearded tattoo white guy. Right. And, and it was just like, just like a frenzy. So those are some of the, um, you know, kind of funnier, wilder events. I wouldn't say it was necessarily a weird deliverable other than it was just a wild experience of yeah. like, you know, just being with like these masses of people, like thousands of people. So yeah, it'd be a bit of a culture shock, I guess, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. For them was, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There there were some um towns that we went to where they were basically telling me they're like, they've never seen anybody like you before. I, bet. I was like, Oh, okay. They're like, oh, all right. As long as everybody's cool, we're cool, yeah. right? Like yeah, be cool. <laughs> everybody be cool. Yeah, you've you've done quite a lot. I mean, the roster between uh I mean, even just some of the D one GP mm-hmm. awards that you've received, drift shifters, uh I mean, Goodwood, a ton of Goodwood stuff. Mm-hmm. Um is there is was there any of those where you're like, okay, this is the like, this is my moment. I did this thing, you know, one that you keep um, at the top of the resume, I guess. Goodwood's a tough one to beat. Um, that is like the most prestigious car event in the world, right? And there was this one year, uh, I think it was the last year that we got to do Goodwood because it's been a conflict with an FD around the past like two or three years. Right. Um, and so. It was like, you know, it's myself, Matt Mike, James Dean, a couple other guys. And we're at the like the initial dinner. It's like Wednesday night, the kickoff uh, mansion dinner for like maybe like two or three hundred guests. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they do a dinner every night. The main one, the Saturday night gala is like two thousand people. Right. And okay. then you can basically slowly grow um, as the nights go on. So the first one's like the smallest gathering of people. And they had us placed at, you know, different tables. We have our dinner, you know, and everything. And so from there, it's like the the dessert course comes out and they come cruising out with these like big sterling silver platters, you know, with the big lid on them and everything. Oh, of course. And they come up and they slide it in front of me. They pull the lid off and it's my helmet sitting there. And yeah, I mean, this is all pre-planned on our side, but nobody else in the dinner knew what was going on. And so it's just like, oh, would you excuse me? You know, I grab my helmet, stand up, and like, you know, Mike, James, and other guys are all kind of doing the same thing. And while we're at dinner, like our crew and the other techs basically like push our cars up to the front, right in front of the mansion. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, without starting them. So there's no commotion. And so, you know, basically everybody like, you know, all goes inside. And so, like, when that little hour window, they bring all the cars in. We go out there and like, you know, fire them up. And they basically like, Everybody gets up and goes out, you know, the front. And they basically like corral in that front um, area of the Goodwood Mansion, and we, you know, bust a U-turn, go down, and we basically opened Goodwood that year with just oh. ripping back and forth, doing a little drift demo. Fireworks are going off, and everybody's just like going absolutely nuts. It was one of the more uh, surreal experiences, you know, doing you know these other demos in other countries and bringing like we've brought drifting to so many different countries, uh, you know, Panama, Salvador. Uh, China, um, where else? Uh, Chile, um, yeah, like just countries I've never had drifting before, right? We were the first people to ever like showcase a drifting event there. Um, mm-hmm. Those are all really 
awesome fun times, but yeah, nothing is going to be opening up Goodwood. So yeah, that's wild. I can't even imagine. That's so crazy. Just all those people there sitting like watching too, right? Sorry, say that again. It, it, my Siri oh. went off. Just <laughs> <laughs> sorry, my Siri went off. So I, uh, you were muted. That's all good. I, I was just saying that, like, that's just wild. Like having that experience, and yeah. I mean, even just being asked beforehand, I'm sure you're like, "Holy shit!" Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. hopefully everything works well. Like the car's <laughs> in good repair. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the car starts, uh, bring a jump pack, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you warm it up ahead of time and then yeah. push it? Like, Yeah, it was it was cool. That was um, definitely one of the wilder um, events. Because like Goodwood in general is just like a, a crazy time. But to right. have that like, like, you guys are the kickoff for the whole event. I was like, okay. <laughs> so with, I guess like with a lot of, I wouldn't say star power, but I, I feel like with the amount of attention that you get in general, uh, also comes, unfortunately, like a lot of backlash and a lot of theories and a lot of like rumors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How, how do you get through that? Like, what is, is that something you're blocking out all the time? Like, we don't have to get into specifics. Anybody really knows yeah. FD, I'm sure has heard all the rumors, but like, mm. I just, I guess I want to understand how you work through those situations. Well, it's difficult because, um, you know, you, you try not to focus on, you know, the negative comments, but they will come eventually. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, even Sorensen, you know, last year with hitting Turk, right. uh, a good example of a complete accident. And he was getting just so much hate for something that he did not do on purpose. I know he didn't. Yeah. And so, you know, the same thing for me, like in these situations that I've been in, like, I know for a fact, I have never crashed into someone's car on purpose. And right. It makes no sense. Yeah. Um, and you know, some of the other things that, um, uh, been accused of, it's like, it's, it's such a, a situational thing that happens. And unless you are one of the, you know, 40 drivers in FD or, you know, a couple hundred drivers in the world that drive cars of this capacity to know that like one small mistake is very dramatic from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, like, a like a misshift is easily the biggest, um, you know, mistake that a visual mistake that happens from the outside that looks uh, potentially intentional, right? Because and, there's and a even just a quick like not going into gear, like not even just well, missing that, the shift, just like a quick it, like boom, it happened, boom, and that's it, it. Happened to me in Atlanta, and that's kind of right. what took me out with Vaughn. It, it, the car wouldn't go into fourth gear, so going down the straight on my final lead run, couldn't get into gear, so it looked like I just like paced for like two seconds, mm-hmm. and I'm in the car. <laughs> practically breaking my arm off trying to get this thing in the fourth gear and um you know eventually chunks in and we go so um you know get through that and then it did the same thing coming out of the keyhole right it's like those little things that are 100% not intentional but it's it happens it's part of racing and the mm-hmm. difference in um drifting versus like racing like if that happens in racing you just get past and like right. that's that's it you know like great the guy who didn't have the mistake is now in front and so there's a clear beneficiary to it. But in drifting, you know, the car will wiggle, the car might snap straight, the car might pause, and it looks like it's this, um, you know, tactical approach to try to, you know, upset the other driver. And so that's the, the biggest uh, misconception in drifting, it, at least that what I've noticed is that, you know, mistakes happen, nobody's perfect, and I've never, ever once done anything like that on purpose to try and win a battle. It's uh, right. It's 
too much of a risk to lose regardless, right? Because you're going to get called out on that action. Oh, there was a hesitation. That's where all these lights are coming from and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so why would you risk losing regardless outside of just doing your best, right? Mm. So like the odds are not in your favor to uh, pause the car and try to get hit. And so, you know, you're risking damage to your own vehicle and potentially not fixing, you know, that's happened in the past with multiple people, you know, break yep. the rear hub, you can't fix it in five minutes. So it's like, what, what's the real gain here? And so mm-hmm. um, the, the few people in the world that have driven cars up this capacity to know that if you, um, you know, slip off the clutch um, or something like that, or you have a, a misshift, the car is going to dramatically change because of the amount of grip that they have. It's not mm-hmm. just going to coast and you just get back in the throttle. Um, they're just so wound up tight, you know, running single digit tire pressures in the rear and, you know, the most amount of grip we can get out of them. It's going to be very visual. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it doesn't take my, as somebody who's like scrutinized a lot of in-car footage over the last mm-hmm. 10 years and just obsess over all of it. It's, it's such a, even the, the smallest change with the steering wheel or, mm-hmm. you know, somebody shifting in their seat and, Foots rolling off gas pedals and, and mm. clutch pedals. I mean, I think it happens more often than what people know, and it becomes it. It gets labeled as a flop, or mm-hmm. you know, somebody's checking somebody on purpose. They're speed checking them, or something like that. Yeah, I'm not saying <clears throat> it doesn't happen at all. But <laughs> like, I'm sure <laughs> shots fired. I'm sure there's yeah, I'm sure there's some people doing it, but uh, you know, there's um, I I can one thousand percent attest to I've never done it on purpose, and I know. Yeah. It's, People probably won't believe me, but you know, I'm just gonna say it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that I've always strived for. Is always drive as hard as I can, as clean as I can. But mistakes do happen. That comes back into that like 95 percent thing, trying to like not overdrive. Because once I start to overthink the run, that's when I will make mistakes. Like especially like if I'm, um, like I've done it in qualifying, like trying to like you know, I'm like gotta qualify higher, gotta qualify mm. higher, right? And so like I'll overdrive the run and I'll make a mistake. Um, if I'm driving against someone who I feel is going to be a potential easy win, you know, you kind of let your guard down a little bit and you can make a mistake. Um, <laughs> or, you know, same thing if you're you know lining up against someone like Osbo or Vaughn or James, you know, like someone that's like, you know, is going to be a, a challenge. You know, you once again, start to overthink the run. Like, okay, I got to make sure I enter here and transfer by here instead of just reacting you're yeah. overthinking the motions and then, then that's when mistakes happen. So it's uh, like, yeah, like I was saying, nobody's perfect. And, you know, you see people messing up on track all the time. It's just trying to minimize those mistakes. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Um, as somebody who's ridden in a few pro cars at this point, like it's to level of grip, even between a pro spec car to a pro car, which to a lot of people like isn't, you, you wouldn't think it's that much, but it is so night and day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see it. You can see guys who move up and, you know, don't make a lot of changes to their car, the difference in performance, but like it just beyond that, like, uh, and it's, it's, it's incredible the amount of G force and, and how fast everything happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, this is one of the things like we've brought up a couple of times or I've brought up a couple of times. It's like, you know, how do we slow the cars down? Because in my you opinion, you want to slow them down. I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, because I don't think that. There's a majority of the cars in Formula Drift that I don't think look great going sideways because they're just too wound up, they're too twitchy, too jerky, right? And so it's like mm. we're we're getting away. You know, this has just been a slow progression over the past decade, right? And you know, they they you know the tired weight rule definitely helps with that, but it's still, in my opinion, um, not as 
smooth as it could be, right? You know, like I think that, you know, when we have the rain events, right? The rain events are the best driving that we see all year, right? You know, cars okay. are door to door, they're smooth, they're steady, and it's like the drivers win those events, right? And then outside of that, it's, um, you know, people just motoring away, um, you know, smoke screens, things like that. And it takes away from the skill of the driver versus just the machine and or the smoke screen that's winning uh, not all the battles, but a, a lot of battles, right? So, I mean, that's why I'm, I love the rain events. You know, we've been very successful at the rain events because it's, uh, you know, the, the visual, you know, is back up. Um, the cars are a little more even playing field and you can really, you know, see, you know, a driver controlling a car with a lower amount of grip than just standing on the pedal and running away. So it's, um, huh. There's plenty, plenty of grip to be had on these cars with a little less tire. <clears throat> you is it is it true that you are like responsible for the chicane? Yeah, the chicane was okay. my idea. Okay, yeah. is that is that? It's just I think it's it's. I mean, it's in my notes, but then I was like, yeah. okay, this is this is starting to add up now. Mm -hmm. um, so how would you how would you slow them down? Perfect world. Kevin Wells retires, has a Dr. Pepper overdose, they hand it to you. <laughs> what do you what do you implement? Smaller tires. That's it's it. 235, 205. Where do we stop? Yeah, just run like uh just like the, the put it this way. The prospect cars are making so much smoke and plenty of speed out there, right? right? But I think that the a lot of those cars look better than you know most of the pro one cars. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, uh you know, probably not the most uh, favored opinion, but I think that <laughs> if we went, you know, from like a 245 to 275 range, basically knocked everything down like 20, 30 mil, I think we'd have better driving. So, hmm. Interesting. I mean, it's, what what is the difference of three miles an hour? <laughs> I, I, is that, I don't, I don't know. It's like, is that what that gap actually is? Well, like how, yeah, like how much faster is a prospect car through the course than a pro one car, right? Uh, I mean, in Atlanta, I was hearing a difference of around 20 miles an hour down the hill. Oh, well, that's different. Okay. Down the hill is different because you're also going to have people not going full throttle down the hill. That's a good point. Right. Okay. I'm talking about like speed through the keyhole. Right. right? Okay. Like, Fair. Are you really going to see the difference of three miles an hour? No. Are hmm. you going to have like smoother, closer, better battles? Most likely. Where, where do you so. stand on like the, the spec debate? Like, let's say, let's say Nissan decides 400 Z's for everybody mm -hmm. and you know, what VR engines and it's your build. Would you, would you be fine with that? Like if, if the sponsorship side of it wasn't a, a big deal? I, I think there's, there is a place for that. I don't think it's on the FD pro one level. Right. Okay. I think that could be like its own little kind of standalone series that maybe even doesn't have to do with FD. Um, okay. Just like a Spectrift series, um, would because you, you could make in that, it. Though? Uh, it would be fun to do that, okay. right? Um, basically, just to you know, even the playing field, um, you know, because you think about there's spec racing everywhere in the world, right. right? And it just takes it back to the driver. And so with that, it's like I think that could be its own standalone series that exists. That you know, FD still needs to be what it is. You know, custom builds, custom cars. You know, drivetrains mm -hmm. open everything. But um, to have something that's like, you know, it could be much more cost controlled too, right? If you're doing a spec series, right? Where like you, like all the cars are the same, they all make the same power and it doesn't have to be, you know, a thousand plus. It could be, you know, like five, you know, hundred or so. I know they're trying to do it in these like uh, street legal series uh, type yeah. events. So, you know, something similar to that, but I, I haven't put like, 
too much thought into that, but basically like I think it would be its own kind of separate thing. That well, I I think I think like Grid Life does a really good job with like their spec fit racing. I don't know if you've ever watched it. Uh, I, I you're oh, yeah. you're going to Midwest? Oh yeah. Yeah, I've um yeah, I I did the uh the the spec fit um little challenge, right? Okay. I I, did, I wasn't in the race, but we did um like we got in the cars like myself, Matt, Larry, like uh High Cotter. Always oh, right, right. there was like uh like 16 of us all got in the cars and went out and and did flying laps in the spec fits. And uh, I got third. I was pretty stoked on that. Damn. So, and um, uh, High Cotter got uh, first. So it was uh, pretty pretty cool to you know have a good finish up there with that. But yeah, that is is pretty cool, right? Because once again, you're eliminating you know the variable, mm-hmm. right? The only variable is the driver. Yeah, yeah. It's it's but, wild racing. I love I love yeah. watching it. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts about that event is like just. Yeah. Everything that's going on, you, yeah, you've the, got the, the oh, spectacle go of FD is is the broad you know range of cars and right drivetrains and everything else. So like that's that's not the place for spec, but I do think that that is something that could exist. I I come from like I like to see both. I would love to see a fully spec series and and have guys who are in FD also compete with it, just to truly understand. But I also want to get to a point with FD where it's like you run one lap those tires are done. You come back in, it's a single lug off on. And that's part of your run is getting those mm-hmm. in and out where like you can gain points by having a faster pit change. Like that is also something I would like to see. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's becoming pretty intense, you know, like getting two laps out of a set of tires, you know, yeah. getting four laps out of a bottle of nitrous. It's like, yeah, the, the consumption rate is pretty nuts. Now. It's, it is crazy. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, that's what makes, you know, the show exciting, right? Yeah. Because these things are pretty wild machines. But, um, you know, we're also starting to get to a point again where, you know, engine failures are, are you know, constant, right? So yeah. we're... we're you know, there's at least example. The, yeah. And, um, I, yeah, I remember last year, St. Louis, there was uh, like six people in line for Papadakis's engine hoist, right? <laughs> so it's just like... And so that, that kind of also goes back into, um, you know, the theory of um, knocking the tires back a little bit because then you can bring the power down like maybe 20%. And that's just going to hmm. bring the reliability back up and it brings the cost down. So I wonder if that would become like ProSpec drops to 225 and then you guys run 245 to 275 or something. Yeah, hmm. well, I mean, well, the ProSpec has even different rules still like with, uh, you know, steering columns and brake pedals, yeah. things like that, you know, of uh, not being able to overbuild the cars. Um, but I mean, that doesn't yeah, it would really... Be a, it would be a yeah. similar tire range a little bigger so yeah i was questioning kevin in a previous episode of like mm-hmm. if he thought prospect was a success like where he would go further with it so i think i think the spec debate is just really interesting um yeah. because fd has just been so known as this wild west it's one of the last motorsports that really allows this almost the the group b of our generation mm-hmm. if you will i mean oh it's that, true that's yeah. a, right like mm-hmm. and and if you everybody's nostalgic for group b like everyone's yeah. like, oh, it was crazy. They did all this nut stuff. Like, I feel like if we ever got away from that in FD, if we five years down the line, like, do you remember the days when you could just like run 1200 horsepower and there's <laughs> Dean Carney with twin turbo V10s and like, <laughs> well, yeah, I know. certainly don't want to get away from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was going down a weird path back in like 2012 before the tire rule came out. Right. And that was, um, yeah, like when uh, Falcon and the ASD teams, uh, especially they were building <laughs> you know, 2,500 pound cars with 800 horsepower motors and putting 295s on them. We're just like, yeah. oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And so then it, then it got kind of wrangled in a little bit. Um, but now it's just, once again, you know, technology is, you know, creating a lot more mechanical grip out of the cars, not just mm-hmm. the tire. And so you're starting to see a lot of this, you know, herky jerky, you know, drifting again. And I think it kind of, it hurts the sport a little bit. Um, I don't think a lot, but you know, there's definitely, uh, how do I say it? It, it could look better. Right? Okay. I think that's fair. I think yeah. that's it. I think that's a good way of going about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm here asking questions. So like, I don't yeah. have the answers to any well, of Well, like, yeah, you, you see the same <laughs> thing kind of happening over in, um, uh, drift masters, right? So right. they have, a, they have a new tire that came out over there and it's just like, they're just People pulling away. They're yeah. just pulling away. And so like, you're not drifting anymore. Now it's a race. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen that. I mean, we saw it kind of when the Nittos came in. There was a little bit of that. Um, mm. I have some inklings. I know some drivers are going to kill me for saying this, but that the V-Tours are kind of that next one. The Achilles been, one, been two, hearing threes. Some things. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've been seeing some things too. Um, mm. they, they, I mean, the Achilles one, two, threes, when they came out, that was a big change of pace. That was a pace. big one. That yeah. was like, people like, whoa, hang on. Well, like, what well, are these? Yeah, it always turns yeah. back into... Um, you know, the tire availability, right? Right. And so that's the Which big is thing. Still something we we struggle with to this day, that maybe a smaller tire makes it more viable for another company to come in, like a Yokohama to come in or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's um yeah, the tire availability like to the public. And so then it turns into are these tires being produced just for motorsports? And you know, are they altering compounds because it's uh right. you know, like a smaller tier company, they can kind of do that in small batches. Ooh. So that was kind of like that whole debate kind of started back in um, with Falcon and with Achilles and like these other brands, like, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, just seeing like tires show up with a different color stripe on them. And it's like, what's that for? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that too. I, I yeah. mean, I think St. Louis last year, there were some interesting tires that got dropped off. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's not the first time. No, you know, I, know. I know. You cruise around the durometer, you learn a lot fast. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is that, is that, you've got like, you know, your big ring of keys that starts anything and then your durometer <laughs> in the other pocket and you're like, okay, we'll yeah. figure everything out. Yeah, we actually got both, so. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, funny enough, I mean, I don't know if, you, I, I won't get into details, but you and I have actually hung out together on several occasions. Okay. Um, yeah, so first time would have been about eight years ago, you were at the, uh, an auto show in Toronto and I interviewed you and I had a giant lime green mohawk. You would have okay. been in the Shine Monkey booth, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, yeah, I'll find yeah. some photos and send them yeah, to you. Yeah, Shiny Monkey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That was like monkey. 2012 or so? Yeah, that was. Yeah. I think you were my first Formula Drift interview, if I'm not mistaken. I was oh, asking okay. you questions about battles with Tanner Faust at that point in time to, to time date myself. <laughs> uh, and then and then we also had some adventures in uh, at Grid Life Road Atlanta, but I won't get into details there. Okay, yeah, it's better yeah. that way. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll leave that to the to the... <laughs> <laughs> to, to history at this point, but um, yeah, I, I, I always find it funny. I've kind of been around the sport for for a long time, just always in the background, and now it's kind of fun to get out and bring out these stories I've been collecting for like fifteen years, and then start asking the the fun questions. So cool. you're good. You didn't, you didn't do anything too bad. I've got a few oh, other I'm drivers sure. that have stories. So, <laughs> everything's so you, fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, it's all good. Thank you. Thank you for the bribe ahead of time. I appreciate that. <laughs> my, my family thanks you. <laughs> So, so what are you, what are you doing in off time? Like what is, obviously motorsports is your career. You've got the shop, but like, I feel like once the track goes cold, it kind of becomes a mystery as to what Chris Forsberg does. Um, yeah. I mean, off time is hardly a thing. Um, right. you know, because we have, um, 
outside of you know the race team, of course, you know we're operating the shop and we're you know kind of prepping cars for other shoots, other demos, other things. Um, we are running uh, you know this new show that I was talking about earlier with eBay Motors, so that consumes a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just the shoot days; it's like the planning, the prep of you know the builds, uh, doing some side work on the cars off camera, you know, to keep up with the uh, projects because you can't film every hour of a build. It no. would, it would not happen. <laughs> So it's just way too much footage. Um, so yeah, it's just like keeping up with that. Um, but yeah, just the um, the general, um, you know, running and operating of the team, especially with all the different avenues that we're doing now, just consumes a lot of time. And so the amount of days off are very few and far between. It's, um, you know, just essentially like the, a day or so after like an event and I'm just here in my apartment doing work from home. It's not exactly <laughs> a day off. It's just I'm on my laptop instead of, you know, under a car. So there's um, there's always something to do. There's uh, very limited um, just, you know, taking a day and cruising around. So are you are you getting out on your on your bike at all? Is that still a I, priority? I haven't ridden a bicycle in years. Really? So, yeah, it's a bummer. <sighs> I know. Um, yeah, I literally do workouts from home now because it's like, the the amount of time that I would put into uh, cycling, it was a lot easier when I was over at MA and working with Wilkerson because he's such a bike fanatic. So was, right. we would kind of keep each other in check, being like, like, all right, like, gotta go, gotta go on the bike. You know, it's already four. You know, because it's like a a two to three hour endeavor, right? You gotta yeah. like gear up, load up, drive out. You know, ride for an hour and a half, put it back in the truck, drive back, clean up. You know, so it's like you're burning like three hours a day to do that. And so then I started kind of like riding to and from work uh, to try and keep up with that. Cause it's like, okay, well now I'm at least getting, you know, 45 to an hour in and it's like more direct. There's not like, you know, mountain biking as much. And yeah, um, yeah basically like, since I got back to California, I got it. I've ridden my bikes at like a handful of times. So it's just like hmm. at home, like 20, 30 minute workouts to keep up and um, you know, basically in between phone calls. <laughs> Is that is you that think the I'm No, no, I can't. Yeah. I mean, no, I know. It's like, yeah, it's I'm, yeah. If I'm if I'm not in the shop, or even when I am in the shop, it's like there's just always another call. There's always another meeting, and we're always trying to plan for uh, you know the next project, the next uh, video, the next uh, event. So yeah, um, not complaining, but um, it's it it's definitely consumes. It is now. Yeah, it's you know once again, you know, it's like you are as successful as the time that you put in, right? And so mm-hmm. if you want to take a bunch of days off and hang around and cruise around like, yeah, like you're not going to reap the rewards from that other than, um, you know, a fun, you know, week off. But, you know, even like if I'm, you know, having a day or so to myself, like I said, like the laptop's always there or the phone's always there. It's like, you're never fully disconnected. Spending, spending days in video conferences and things like Mm -hmm. that. What's your, what's your hierarchy of video conferencing software? What is the, what is the best and what is the absolute worst? I, I like the Google meets. So we use Google meets for almost everything. Um, uh, Zoom would be the next one. Uh, Team, Teams (laughs) is my most hated, (laughs) never works. (laughs) Oh man. Okay. And there's some other proprietary one we've used once or twice. Like Dial-A or specific brand that like always gives problems, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Google Meets works every time. It's so easy and it's free and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, as as someone who sits in same thing, video conferencing for eight to 10 hours, I literally, I just pull the FD sign down and I just go into my calls. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're 
Google, Google Meets does work. I was I was a big Teams guy at the beginning because we were like Microsoft based. I'm like, ah, oh, Teams has got all these features. But if you're not into Microsoft, it's it's terrible. But Google yeah. kind of works for everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty blanketed. So yeah, we yeah. have little connectivity issues. <laughs> That's good. Things yeah, you got to worry about now. <laughs> it's yeah, it's crazy. It's it's. I mean, I'm happy that you can work anywhere from the world. I don't have to like go to an office to do work anymore. I can do it mm-hmm. all from here. But uh, but now you can that, work anywhere in the world, dude. Literally, I mean. <laughs> so there you go. I I head over Florida. Pros and cons. To, I head over for Florida. I'll leave my house around eleven, and I have like three calls booked between the time I get to the airport to when my flight takes off. Yeah, and then it's like two and a half hours of downtime. And then I'm literally going there to go do another event. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, it, it's, I, I understand it doesn't, it doesn't stop. I don't, I'm not that I'm at your level of chaos, but like it's different <laughs> chaos, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, and so I, I still do enjoy, you know, working on cars and things like that. So like uh, if I have a little bit of time and I'm at the shop, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find like little projects to work on that, you know, are obviously not only uh, beneficial to like me and my mental health, like just mm-hmm. something that I want to do, um, but also beneficial to like the partners, of course, uh, because it's like we're tinkering with their parts, you know, taking videos, taking stories, things like that. So okay. it's like there's there's always a pull, right? Mm-hmm. Back to like like what I'm doing. It, it seems like there's always a reason for um, you know even going and playing at the shop for like uh, an hour outside of like planning and prepping on, you know, the builds or, you know, yeah, like a, a production, things like that. It's like, oh, if I'm going to, you know, unbox this Canon intake and stick it on my truck, it's like, yeah, like that's also, a, you know, it's it's a plug for them, right? So mm-hmm. it's once again, it's a win-win. So there's very little um, just, you know, outside of the occasional weekend. Um, this past <laughs> weekend's like the first one I've been home uh, for like four weeks and I'll be gone for the next like three or four weekends. And so it's yeah. like, yeah, it just, it, it adds up, right? And so, like I said, there's a few days here and there that you actually get like to kind of decompress. But then again, like you're always gonna find something. Is it <laughs> and, like, is you know, there like, any? Is there anything outside of cars or FD that like you do that's not career focused? At at this point, not really. Uh, like wow. I said, the the bikes was the big thing for a while. I was really mm-hmm. into that um, in like uh, twelve through sixteen ish um, was riding a bike like every other day minimum right um and and that was like a really fun outlet for me but um at this point it's like i just don't have the capacity for it so um you know just like a couple hours here and there just to try and enjoy uh you know some some time not being on the road is yeah it's basically you know what i kind of get now I wasn't. I wasn't sure if you were just like you know sitting down and binging Top Chef for like four hours at a time. Like I'm done. <laughs> the the amount of TV I watch in a month would blow your mind. It's probably like two hours. It's interesting though. Like I mean, not that I'm like continuing to pry into it, but like yeah, I want people listening to understand what it's like because mm. the more successful people I I talk to, it's it's such a similar story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like, what do you do in your spare time? Gain more knowledge, find ways to yeah. make more revenue. Like, yeah. You know. And even like when I'm, you know, like the the little time I'll have here and there and I'm just like kind of sitting and scrolling on Instagram. It's like, yeah, I'm like looking at other builds. I'm looking at fabrication yeah. stuff. It's like, so like in the end, like everything is, you know, kind of just pulls back into how can I be better or how can this be better or like what's yeah. my next build, right? And so you're just always looking for inspiration, ideas, um, you know, and uh, like you said, knowledge, you know, it's, uh, 
you know, or I'm like building spreadsheets, building out, you know, travel <laughs> itineraries or, you know, budget breakdowns for a potential build that I can pitch on the next phone call, you know, and seeing if we can get some support for. And mm-hmm. there's always something. What, what's the pitching process like? Like, is it, do you enjoy that part or are you like, once it's over and the build starts happening, like, okay, cool, we're done. Let's go. I know some guys really love the chase. Um, I, I like the, I don't like the chase of, <laughs> of trying to sell my ideas. I'm bad at right. that. Um, my, my manager is pretty good at that. So okay. I, um, I enjoy just the physical build. Right. And so right. I basically think of the idea and like what we want to do and, and then I'll map it out, figure out how much it's going to cost, um, how much time it's going to take and, uh, you know, what the kind of goal is. Like, is this a video series? Is this a SEMA project? Is it, you know, a personal build? Um, you know, just for like the betterment of the company that we can take the shows and, you know, just have as a, you know, a partner asset, you know, to loan to them for events and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I enjoy the, you know, thinking of the build and kind of mapping it out. And I basically like kind of look at him to <laughs> make it, make it happen. Like, you know, the Ultimaniac is a perfect example of that. Right. Um, you know, that was an idea I had for years and just kind of like, Map that whole thing out, figured out the cost, talking to, you know, different chassis designers and, you know, talking to suspension, um, you know, engineers, things like that. And just figuring out how to make that come to life and basically told him what we would need to get it. Um, we were able to basically secure that mostly with, um, you know, the help of Valvoline and mm-hmm. Nissan. And so then, yeah, then from there, it just becomes the build, right? And then that's the best part. So, like, I almost enjoy the build more than the driving of it. Because like, you know, in the end, it's like, okay, yeah, now it's a car, you know, get to drive it. But yeah, um, you know, creating something that no one has before is, to me, exciting. What, when did you lean into management? Like, was there a point where you were overwhelmed or you're just like, I can't take this any further? Or like, was it preemptive where you're like, I know two years from now, I'm not gonna be able to do this. So I'm going to get somebody now. Um, we were like myself, Turk. Tony Angelo, um, Vaughn, we were some of the first people in FD to get management. And this was back right. in like 07. Um, okay. We we met Jacob and the guys from Motorsport. Uh, yeah, Jacob right. Chills. Yeah, right. Jacob Agatanian. Okay. Yeah, we yeah. met um, him at uh, a D1 versus NASCAR event back okay. in, um, yeah, or yeah, like a drift, drift versus NASCAR event that he kind of put together back in like 2006. Where like you know Bill Elliott's there, um, uh, Casey Kane's there, like it just like a you know a good dozen you know high level NASCAR drivers and uh, you know about a dozen drift car drivers, and it was this big event at Irwindale. You know, whole place sold out. It was huge, and um, from there he was basically like, okay, like drifting is actually pretty big, and he reached out to Vaughn and kind of got through to us, and they basically became our management company back in 07. And okay. so I've had representation ever since then, either mm. via him or one of his partners or, you know, some managers uh, since then. Mm. Interesting. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. fairly, fairly early on. I mean, he's, yeah. Yeah. And I mean that I could, I could, I at some point would love to just get him on, not maybe not on this show, but just like sit down yeah. for like four hours and pick his brain. Yeah. But, yeah. He, yeah. Um, they, they've had like, like a lot of great ideas over the years and you know, where they've taken their company now is, is pretty, Pretty oh, incredible. So yeah, it's like we all kind of we're just a bunch of kids trying to figure it out, for lack of better words. And then you know everyone's just kind of past went in you know bigger, better, different directions. And so they yeah. have uh, you know 
big clients uh, that they're working with. You know, they've done stuff with F1. They're working yeah. with Harley Davidson. So it's it's cool. And so I I felt that I needed um, a little more uh, direct, like one on one support. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're still in good terms, everything else. Oh, yeah. He, he mm-hmm. still works with uh, Ryan Turk. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, just him and Ryan Turk, it works. It was just, it was too much with the both of us. Yeah, that, that makes sense. At yeah. some point in time, like your careers yeah. needs needs solo attention at that point. I mean, it's mm-hmm. okay. uh, without sounding cold, like it becomes business. It's like, hey, no, no if you don't have the time, no, exactly. I need more of your time. We need yeah. to figure something let's, out. Let's call so. it what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, it's obviously good that you guys are, are still good too. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think the the management side of it is just it's one. It, I'm I'm trying to hit on like all the taboo stuff that like nobody in the motorsports <laughs> world talks about, right? Like nobody yeah. talks about funding. No one talks about partnership or sponsorship. Nobody talks about mm-hmm. management. Like it's this weird hush hush thing for some reason. I know. Yeah, I don't, don't know why it's to. supposed to be such a secret, but yeah, everybody yeah. just wants to talk about the runs. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it's like, and, I, and I'm sure I've like lost half the audience at this point. They're like, we just want to hear Forsberg stories. And I'm like, no, I need to know how he got this far. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I find that stuff fascinating. I think we can all publicly see how somebody does on track, how a car performs, how it sounds, how visceral that is. But it's everything that leads up to it. Um, Vaughn did a really good speech years ago to the Pro 2 drivers, and he said, driving's your reward for everything else that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, the driving part is, that's don't focus on that. Mm-hmm. That's the part that comes after you've done the hard work. Yeah. And nobody talks about the hard work. No, exactly. And like you said, it's like, oh, what do you do in between? Everyone thinks it's like, oh, I just sit around and um, you know, go to the beach every day, like until the next form of drift round. It's like, right. no, like that like FD is the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's honestly. Everything else. Yeah. It's yeah. meetings, it's you know, sending stats into partners, it's mm-hmm. checking deliverables, building spreadsheets, figuring out, you know, organizational software, stuff like that to like mm-hmm. how the hell do I what flight do I have to take here to go? I mean, even this podcast, right? Like yeah. this isn't, this is only a couple hours out of the day, but like mm-hmm. I know to try and book this in is not, it's not yeah. easy. Yeah. I mean, we got a um, yeah 8 a.m. flight out tomorrow for Orlando. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, like I half canceled on you. It's all good. <laughs> like 30 minutes before. Because nah. I was just like, like things are kind of like coming in. I was like, I, was like I, I don't know if I have time for this, you know, because like you said, like to lock in, you know, two hours a night before we're uh, leaving for, you know, the next week. So it's, yeah, um, yeah just, you know, just work fast, make things happen, and uh, you know, here we are. We got it done. We got it done. All right, last last big big thinker question for you. Yeah, no worries. What do you want your lasting legacy to be in general? It doesn't have to be FD, but Ooh. like, this is a tough one, and maybe oh, I yeah. can ramble for a minute to like let you think. But like, <laughs> when when people look back, when Wikipedia is updated, when your Facebook profile you know says no longer here, what do you want people to think about? Well, it's um, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say like, oh, I want people to think that I'm the greatest drifter of all time, right? I right. don't think that's the approach I'm going for. It's um, mostly that I've um, the, I guess the amount of effort and time of my life and um, just like knowledge and for lack of better words, just like the pioneering of the sport, just basically like you know, just trudging the way through. Uh, like the first 10 or 15 years of drifting um, Mm -hmm. to get it to where it's, I mean, for lack of better words, it's pretty easy to get into form of drift if that's what you want to do. You know, nowadays, like, yes, you could, you could enter an FD event if you were a living, breathing person and had a car (laughs) back 15 (laughs) years ago. Right. Um, There was no licensing, right? But um, 
you know, like, yeah, there's a 14 year old out there competing with us. Well, now 15, but you yeah. know what I mean? It's like you, the, the legwork has been done, right? The mm. development of the cars and, you know, the knowledge is there, the, the events are there, right? All you got to do is apply yourself, uh, build a simple car. People overbuild their cars all the time. Um, build a simple car, get to the track, ask for help. Nobody wants to ask for help. They think they're better than. Um, and you can learn how to drift pretty quickly. And if you have the skill set and apply yourself, you can you know move into Pro 2 rather quickly, right? Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can start to get the support. The problem is people that um, they think that they, um, you know, either just because I have a rear-wheel drive car, I get sponsors, right? And so that's the one thing I, I try to get out of people's heads all the time. It's like, no, like there's, you know, a whole mess of people with you that are also pushing for the same thing. But um, what I'm, what I mean by all this is if that you apply yourself and you ask the right questions and you take the right approach, which, you know, I tell everyone, it's like, you know, focus on your seat time. Don't focus on meal you know, overbuilding the car, um, you know, ask questions and you can easily, um, you know, learn how to be a better driver and get into pro two. And then from there, it's, it's your ability is what's going to you know make or break your career. Right. And so for me, like I, like how we talked about earlier, I enjoy being the, the mentor. I enjoy, you know, I used to, you know, help run events. I used to judge events. You know, we started XDC, you know, years ago before pro right. two ever existed. Um, because I saw the, the need for this middle ground between grassroots and FD, um, you know, just all the things that I have um, tried to put back into the sport, um, you know, outside of, you know, physically helping people with their car, like Alex Jager, or, you know, helping uh, Jeff Stoneback with a, a second car on our team, Jonathan Castro, things mm-hmm. like that. Like outside of, you know, those one-on-one experiences, you know, like I said, just, you know, we're, we're always the team that, you know, has the trailer door open and giving the welder out to the next guy that needs it or, you know, pulling out any parts that, you know, somebody needs if, if it fits, you know, if it's on our trailer and it fits their car, like we're pretty much going to give it to them. Um, and just, you know, trying to make, uh, the sport better, right. Trying to keep that camaraderie up, which is what got me into the sport in general. And what made drifting so cool to me is that everybody kind of coming together and fixing each other's cars and going out and driving together, right? Because that's how it all started was driving together. Now it's competing together, right? And so right. in the end, it should still be that same mentality, you know, like pretty much everyone I saw, like, you know, even with Vaughn in the finals, you know, there's that photo of us just like, we're so just ecstatic to be there. It's like, you know, that, that feeling of drifting um, and just being on track with, you know, these other legendary drivers is, um, you know, just something that I always want to see continue and to always try and put my best foot forward for drifting, uh, whether it's, like I said, physically helping people get back on track or lending advice, um, you know, helping fix their cars. And that kind of is what like all comes back to uh, this show that we're doing, which is like, you know, helping people finish their cars and getting, um, you know, back on track because it is, you know, it's it's a lot and it's difficult, right? And, um, but a lot of people are afraid to ask for help, right? And, um, you know, I think that if, if you have the knowledge, you should share it. Right. And so that's kind of like where, like how I would like to be remembered is, you know, this is, it's more than just me, right. This Mm -hmm. whole thing is more than just one person. So like, don't, don't hold your cards too tight. 
you know, help somebody out. That's solid. All right. I don't think I could say it any better. Um, <laughs> that was a good wrap. That was like a solid wrap up. You like yeah, hit on thanks. everything we talked about. <laughs> ah, these media trained people, man. I tell you. <laughs> Not me to train, just experienced. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, you've been doing interviews for like 20 years now, so I get it. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. I know. Sometimes I think I should take some media training. I feel like I could be a little better, so. Ah, no, nah, I mean, I don't I don't see any. Not that I'm like that media trained. I just, someone yeah. gave me a microphone and told me to talk to people. Yeah. and I'm like, Figure it out. Well, might as well, yeah. So, yeah. cool. Um, well, thank you for setting aside the time. Uh, yeah. We're recording this before Orlando, so I really hope Orlando goes well. We'll see yeah. how that prediction We'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, it's all good. I think this will I mean, come out after. So the the odds are in our favor. We've um we've podiumed all but one year in Orlando. So really, and and the one year we didn't podium there, uh, it's because Vaughn lit our car on fire somehow. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was the only. That's the one time we missed the box. So we we got a pretty that. good track record for Orlando. So I'm not saying that it's a guarantee, but um it's a track that we are pretty comfortable with. So we're yeah. hoping to get another good finish. Maybe we'll get some rain because I like the rain events. So. It's looking year. like it. It's looking like it. Oh, great. So, <laughs> yeah, yes. Set. Cool. Uh, anything else? Any, nah, man. Nah, you, got, you got all the plugs and promos and everything in there, too. I don't feels have good, to, man. Like, prompt you for that. No, yeah. I'm glad we got to do this. So. Yeah, me um, too. Yeah, for anybody watching at home, thank you so much for listening at home. Same thing. If you watch on YouTube, check out the audio only and vice versa. Not that there's anything different. You just get to see me talk with my hands a bunch and Chris be very <laughs> polite. Um yeah, and thank you everybody for listening and subscribing and sharing all the posts. Um, I'm excited to see what we clip for reels out of this. It's always my yeah, favorite part. Yeah, that's always the fun part. <laughs> yeah, just the reels part. So thanks again, man. I really yep. appreciate it. Thank you. See you later.